Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. It's Sensi Brewcast. It's the voice of Sensi Craft. It is really strange for me to start a show without a microphone in my face or headphones or to actually know if any of this is working. <laughs> um, this is definitely a first for the show. Not only are we in a very strange place, which I'll talk about in a second, we have a very strange selection of beers in front of us. Uh, this is going to be something different. Uh, Marco? Hello. Well, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Noah. Um, you shouldn't have to lean in too much to it. Okay. It should be okay. All right. Um, so I won't then. I mean, you can if you want to. It's, we'll uh, it's a choice, personal choice. Um, this So this week's episode is sponsored by BW3. Buffalo Wild Wings, they are sponsoring us and don't even know it. <laughs> That's right. Okay, two, two times today for me, two different locations. But This all started with this idea in my head. Um, I wanted to drink a um, Newcastle because I haven't had one in a very long time. And then I started thinking about how I could work that into a show topic. And one of the topics that I've wanted to talk about for a while is kind of gateway beers and how either our palates have changed or they've changed or their role in craft beer currently, something along those lines. So I was determined to find a spot that we could go and grab a Newcastle among some other beers that fit into that category. Little did I know, it's freaking hard to find a Newcastle these days. <laughs> we tried two different spots and thought that maybe this B-dubs would, uh, would satisfy and they, they didn't. Um, in fact, we sat down here and looked at the beer menu and finding other beers that fit into that category was surprisingly hard on their menu. They, I mean, I guess it's a good thing though. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I, I knew Newcastle was, was around in its original form and then went away for a while and came back. And I, from what I understand, the recipe did change. Uh, the, I, the style of the beer hasn't changed, but from what I understand, the recipe changed. So, but it was one of those things as far as the, the, the topic that you wanted to do. I mean, it wasn't going to be it wasn't going to be just a Newcastle show from what you just said. It was going to be you know, the, the beers that got people into beer. Yeah. So uh, and I think we did the best with what we had at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. And, and I'm sure at some point all the people that are listening are, are going to find a, a Newcastle and you're going to be inundated <laughs> with Newcastles, uh, which... I'm happy to come back and have them with you, but I mean, speaking directly about Newcastle, which is not one of the beers we're drinking today, um, they were purchased by Heineken at some point. I don't know when that was, and then after that, it was eventually then it's, it's now brewed, I guess technically by Lagunitas, which is a whole weird kind of mixture of craft and non-craft and, and, and gateway and non-gateway. It's very strange to me to think of a Lagunitas brewery making Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's cool, but um, let's let's jump into some of these beers first. From the beer um, fridge. Oh, it's a, I'm trying to figure out what's floating in this uh, this one down here. It's a, it's a seed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that one. We should start here. Um, I'll give you the fancy glass because it. Oh, thanks. Because um, I'm a fancy guy. This is the one of these beers. No, I've probably had this one fairly recently. No, you're right. I'm not a fancy um, guy. I have I have had this one fairly recently, probably last March or so, somewhere around there. Um, I, at least once a year, I, I dive into a little bit of it. Uh, it's Guinness, the uh, 
the classic, the staple, the quintessential Irish stout, right? Like this, if you're bringing Irish stout, this is kind of what you're shooting for. Yep, absolutely. Um, on nitro, it's uh, it's not black, despite what people say. It's, there's these little ruby highlights around the edges. And then this this is a topic that's been around some of the shows locally in Cincinnati, or, or some of the introductions to the, to the shows in Cincinnati. Is, you know how it got you started, uh, what what got you started in craft and that right. kind of thing, and so. Uh, definitely there's been some similar through lines where, hey, Guinness is one of those beers. And you, you can talk to people who are really passionate about uh, craft beer and independent and local. And they they definitely still will give it to, you know, St. James Gate, Guinness, and say, hey, that's where we started too. Well, Guinness is, is fun because it's, it's definitely a stout. It is, like I said, the quintessential Irish stout, but it's also really easy to drink. Like if you put a Guinness in front of somebody, it, it, it may be difficult to get a non-craft beer drinker to, I shouldn't say that because at this point everybody's had a Guinness, but um, somebody who thinks that this is a dark beer, it's going to be big, it's going to be heavy, it's going to fill them up. Like getting people past that hump may be a little difficult, but once you do, this beer is so approachable <laughs> it goes down easy it's low abv it's um i don't drink it very often but i can tell you every time i have it i'm happy that i had it that's that's it's for me you know, the the body of the beer is is a nice body for me i get uh roast on the nose i get some some uh taste of, of roastiness and then if you're having it on nitro you know that that just the creaminess the the way it cascades different than carbonic acid the co2 is is just it's it's fun it's it's tasty it's it's it, it really hits the spot when you're when you're looking for it and if you're not really if you didn't set out to have a guinness but you're like you know what i wouldn't mind a a, a little roast character with my beer and you have it you're like yeah it's satisfying um this one is extremely cold right now <laughs> i don't know if yours i don't know if it's pouring into the the chilled glass that I, <laughs> or the server was so nice and, oh. and so that we we had full <laughs> pours of the beers and she brought us um um the frost glasses for it uh so it, it was very thoughtful <laughs> but mine is very chilly right now um, i guinness is fine i mean everybody drinks guinness on uh march 17th every year it's it's what you do um uh, I, on a day like that, a beer like this to me is perfect, not just because of the theme of, of St. Patrick's Day, but because, like I mentioned, it's, it's low EV. It's like it's four, four, eight, maybe, um, something like that. I'm, I'm looking right now, seeing if I can find it quickly. And of course I can't, there it is, Guinness, 4.2. So 4.2%. There you go. Um, you couple that up with it being on nitro, it just goes down easier than almost any other beer that you'll you'll find yourself drinking. So, yeah, I was at a, a craft brewery earlier today, and uh, they had a session IPA on. And that session IPA was five percent. So this <laughs> falls uh, well under that. So uh, when when you feel when you're feeling in the mood, go ahead and session some Guinness. Do you think that speaking specifically of this as a quote unquote gateway beer, which is 
really not the term I want to use for any of these because I, I hate the term gateway beer. Um, but for lack of a better way of putting it, well, bear with me. Um, as a as an intro beer, we'll put it that way. Um, does the the low ABV and the the fact that it's on nitro that that easy kind of drinkability? Do you think that is part of what gets people to latch onto this as an early craft beer drinker? Uh, well, that's certainly part of it, but I think the flavor is too, right? I mean, so people people who get into craft are seeking a more flavorful offering, and so uh, a session, it, not session, but the, the the things we were taught when we were growing up, whether it be you know having a having a, a tiny you know shot glass of whatever your father, or your grandfather, or your uncle was having at the at the Thanksgiving table, most of the time, at least the 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 tables I was around was not Guinness mm-hmm. you know it was that it was that macro stuff we think about and so the this is one of those beers that people say opens up their eyes and their taste buds to what flavor is possible or the possibility that there's more flavorful beer out there it's still not it's not over the top though like if you pick up a big giant imperial stout you're going to get hit over the head with some really big flavors, whereas this is still still mild enough that it's not offensive. Um, right. Well, that's the that's the beer. That that is what it is, right? It's a, it's a it's a beer you can drink by volume, and the the producers of it mean for you to drink it by volume. Really. What was the beer that kind of got you into beer? I don't know if we've talked about that on the show. I don't know before. if we talked about it on this show, but I've actually talked about it a, a few times on a couple other local pods. So I got started with, um, we were talking about craft, right? Because I just mentioned that maybe I was around a Thanksgiving dinner table and had a, a, a taste of, you know, macro lager or whatever. But, but, but when when but, you when you tried that macro lager, did you like it? At first, no. At first, I did not, but I, I don't think that's uncommon, right? I, that, but what I saw was all of the adults who were imbibing in that drink enjoying it. So I thought to myself, <laughs> they looked like they're having more fun than they were before. Yeah, and so I said, <laughs> you know what? This is this is probably something that I I could learn to like, and it didn't take very long. Uh, but for me, it was Pete's Wicked Ale, and then growing up where I grew up, it was pretty easy to, well, I. I had to search a little bit for it, but I would get my hands on Abita. I mean, at the time there was right. Turbo Dog and um, uh, the That's right. you were, you were living, Abita Amber. You were living down south, right? You yeah, were, yeah, in New Orleans area, and and you know thoughts and prayers in New Orleans area. The the town where I grew up in was really really affected uh, by Hurricane Ida. Um, but the, the when I was getting in, when I was getting when I was old enough to drink, I mean. There was some kind of crazy macro craft war that was going on. Where they Can we take a little sidestep right yeah, now do it. For, for anybody that listens to the other kind of local podcasts. Uh, Pete of Pete's Wicked's was was, was not killed, um, nor was he kidnapped or anything like that. Uh, he was bought out by Miller, then destroyed the brand. Pete did just fine. <laughs> Well, right, Miller, trying, Miller trying to destroy a brand is going to come up later in one of the drinks that we're having. Uh, yes. Uh, but uh, there was some sort of crazy macro beer war where 
um, uh, red dog coming out was supposed to be this enormous thing. <laughs> and uh, I can remember getting like 30 racks of it and not knowing any better that, um, yeah, this taste is different. And that's the thing about red dog was it was a different taste. Why and, ask why? Try bud dry. It, but <laughs> just don't question. But it was just it's different. It was just different, and it, but it wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't elevated. It was just different. It was more like the same thing, maybe with like I don't know, I, rye or something. Right. I forget. Right. It was that was like a snap to it that you know you, you could tell you were drinking something different than uh, the alternative yellow fizzy stuff. But Pete's Wicked, and then I could get my hands on Purple Haze. Turbo Dog and a Beta Amber, and then later on, you know, I could get my hands on some of the the other stuff from a Beta, and then it, my my journey took me to the the typical. I think from that point, you know, uh, uh, Boston beer, uh, Sam Adams. Uh, but when you when you started, like you really kind of craft was was pretty early on in that 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 uh, journey for you. Like a lot of people talk about going from, you know. Yes, it was. So, I mean, when I was, when I was, I was legal to drink at 18 in Louisiana. So, um, legally drinking at 18, that journey. So I was probably 20 when Kraft came into, when I, when I found Kraft and I found it because my supervisor at the place I was working, um, said, Hey, there's this cool beer shop in Metairie and in Louisiana, Beer shops are gas stations. You can get all the beer, full strength liquor, everything you wanted at a gas station. So any every corner had a gas station. He said, but this one in Metairie has a really good assortment. I'm like, what are you talking about? Good assortment. <laughs> what does this mean, this good assortment? So we took the drive, like 20 minutes or whatever it was, to to the small um, this small gas station that was packed in like crazy with beer. It's almost reminiscent of if the root cellar had a, uh, gas pumps <laughs> and, uh, you, you, he went and he knew exactly what he was looking for, found exactly what he was looking for. And it was Pete's wicked. And you know, that's, he's like, this, this is good beer. Uh, are you curious now what all that other stuff was like, what other beer they had that? you weren't experiencing well now that i think about it absolutely i i'd love to have seen uh i'd love to be able to see if there were any you know old photos or snapshots of what those beers yeah. were and what was around then and then maybe what is what has gone away or what is still around right and that, that that's something I, I hadn't really ever thought of but that's a that's a good thought but even that stuff that is still around from that time, so much of it is a shadow of what it was, be it because somebody bought them and just carried the brand on or whatever it may be, you know. It, obviously, some of those brands are still what they were. You know, Abita is, for the most part, the Abita. Bigger than they've ever been. Yeah, but there are some of those brands. Pete's Wicked, you know, talking about Miller buying them up and just destroying the brand, watering the, the product down, not literally watering the product down, but changing the product to something that was a shadow of what it once was and then just well, killing it all together. And that happened back in the, what, 90s turning into 2000, but yeah. that still happens in even craft beer. Yeah. Um, I mean, anybody, look, I, I, I didn't have a... Uh, I didn't have a zombie dust till maybe five years ago, but even at that point when I had it and it was still, you know, you, 
you couldn't get growlers of it and you couldn't you, you couldn't find it or when it was dropping you had to get somewhere super fast because they only had a certain allotment and you can only get one of whatever you know even then people who were in the business and i was talking to them like this is this isn't what this beer used to be yeah you know so i mean i and maybe maybe three floyds to tell you that the recipe never changed but um and that's and that's possible that the recipe never changed as a brewery grows and as distribution grows and the the process around all of that changes the product itself changes even if the recipe doesn't uh yeah which... and then the landscape changes around it right to where something was the standout because maybe it was um first or the best at that or, or point or unique just or unique again and and then the landscape changes and it gets mixed in with a sea of other extremely good offerings. Right. Let's drink another beer. Yep. Uh, which one do you want to go to? Um, I'm going to guess that yeah. this one is probably... We'll just do that. I don't know. If okay, it's... let's just do... <laughs> we'll do this one. So Killian's kind of on the same uh, cultural uh, line as Guinness. Yep. People drink a whole bunch of it once a year and then ignore it. Um, it has been a really long time since I've had this beer. This is one of those beers that when we would go to that that craft beer store uh, in Mary, this is one of those beers we pick up. Uh, and it's been a really long time for me for, to since I've had a Killian's. Um, Looking forward to diving into it and what, Irish what Irish red. It's a it's good actually. It's a sweet malty. Uh, there are a lot of places that are brewing Irish reds that are not great. Um, not locally, of course. Everybody does amazing locally. Uh, but yeah, congratulations <laughs> everyone for your hardware. <laughs> yeah, they're. There's been a whole bunch of awards happening as of the week we're recording this, which was last week, depending on when you're listening to it. Um, this is it's good. It's a a little uh, little watery, little non-offensive, little middle of the road, I guess. But it's good. It's it's it is strange how there's uh, a weird dichotomy between how malty it is, where you think it'd be rich. And then the the thinness on the body, uh, it's it's very strange because the malt the malt is very 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 present. Um, I tell you what though, when you are um, sitting in a place like B Dubs, and say you get a big plate of wings or something like that, whatever you're eating, um, this is a beer that I think would pair up with food really well. Is it? It's a craft. No, definitely not. No, no by ownership and um, no by how it's crafted. I think it's uh, if somebody described what an Irish red is supposed to be and then described that to somebody else and then somebody else described that to somebody else and it went through like five or six levels and gave a telephone, um, this is probably what would come out of that. Well, and just to speak about going back to my journey, I mean, when I when I was taking that journey early on, finding finding craft 
stateside, made stateside, was challenging. So what I did was I went to imports. I mean, you could get stuff yeah. like you could get, you know, you could get, you could get Guinness. You could get, uh, which for the record, Guinness is still imported. It's still an imported beer. It's still made in Dublin. Killian's, I don't think. <laughs> no, you could back then. You could get Killian's, and you were thinking you were getting it from. Uh, from the you know Killian's motherland, uh, but I was getting like Unibrow and yeah. all kinds of uh, imports. So my the the diversity of beers I was drinking was whatever I could find, you know, from my local shop, and they had a good import section at that time. Now, also at the time, I had no idea about part of the reason why all of these imports have a similar. Uh, skunkiness to them <laughs> you know I didn't know that I just thought that's the way they were meant to taste that's the thing too like in this era where we were drinking beers like this you know like any of these or any of those early kind of craft beers that were popping up um, imported beer was exciting because you couldn't get things like that readily um, around you but when we look back at it now after getting some of those styles fresh brewed around the corner from your house and then you go back to those same beers that you were having before assuming that they are still brewed to those same standards or are the same beers um, it's a it, it's night and day like you you can't you can't take a beer, brew it across the world, throw it on a ship, send it across an ocean, have it sit in a uh, importer's warehouse for God knows how long, have it sit in a distributor's warehouse for God knows how long, put it on a shelf for God knows how long, bring it home, and expect that beer to taste as good as a, as a good example of that same style that was made around the corner from your house. Uh, the excitement of imported beer when we were at I'm going in circles here trying to trying to get this thought well, I think out. what you're saying <laughs> is you don't know what you don't know right you don't and, and my point is maybe I'm catching on what you're trying to say is that that's just we didn't know and now that we know we understand that um, freshness plays a huge part into the 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 way that that product was supposed to be when it was fresh. Is it disappointing though? Like some of these, some of these breweries, and Killian's is not one of them because I'm pretty sure that this this beer is brewed by Miller somewhere in the United States, uh, probably like Wisconsin or something. I, I don't know where. <laughs> you Who know, <knows>? Pennsylvania. <laughs> I don't it's know. this beer is not a good example of it, but there are lots of imported beers that are made by these breweries that have been around forever they have this uh this legacy of who they are and now as craft beer has grown and we've become a little more uh knowledgeable about what beer is supposed to taste like you try these beers and you're, you know that this is not this can't be what's coming out of that brewery <laughs> This well, is, yes. This but, is beer that has been beat to hell, and that's what we get. That's disappointing to me. Well, it, it 
It is, but we didn't know that then. And, and, and what's happening is we're already starting to see, I mean, we're talking about, like I was talking about beers I was drinking back in the late 90s, 90, what, 96, 97, 98, mm-hmm. and then into the early 2000s. There's a, there's a, a very, there's an emerging uh, group of craft beer drinkers that are turning 21 today. Sure. That are that are that are turning 24, 25, 26. And Shout out to those people. Welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome this to the show. Is, this is not a good representation of what you should be drinking. But the point is, my point is that they are growing up in a very different landscape as far as beer is concerned. So they're the the ones who the ones who are digging into it and and are starting to care at the same age that I started to care. Are, it's very different. Like the so education is out there, and, this is and go information down a different is a rabbit hole here. Education is at your it, it, a click away. Right. So, so bear with me because this is not the topic of the show. I'm here. I'm but, not going anywhere. I'm going to bear with you. It's, it's true. You could get up and leave. <laughs> I, mean, I could <laughs> take your half a pint and just run away. <laughs> um, do you think that? Uh, I've lost my train of thought here. So smooge. It was about smooge. Smooge, smooge. <laughs> it's, not, it's not seltzer. It is seltzer. Uh, this idea of um, people being more educated when they start as craft beer drinkers. Um, I see a lot of people talking about quote unquote bad beer. We talked about this a little bit. What was it last week at Listerman? Um, about this idea of, of drinking bad beer. And people will go somewhere and say, "Oh yeah, that beer's bad. I don't, I don't want that. That brewery's bad." When they don't have any idea what bad beer really is, because the quality of beer has grown so much, especially when you're talking about local breweries, um, you're not getting, you're not getting beer that has traveled across an ocean. You're not getting some kind of crappy homebrew that your your buddy made in a trash can in his dorm room. Um, beer is better now than it has ever been. Has to be. In Cincinnati. Has to be. Across the world, but it has to be better. Do you think that the definition of what bad beer is for new craft drinkers is very different than the definition of bad beer for somebody that's been drinking craft beer for 20 or 30 years? I really hesitate ever to use the word bad uh, describing beer. And I really think that it maybe if those drinkers thought about it, they might, they might consider um, changing the way they discuss beer that isn't really their, their style, their favorite, or, or one that they would prefer versus another. Right. Yeah, and, and, and I try to be very cautious of that. And, and I would hope... Um, and it's probably ill-placed, the hope, uh, because I'm, I'm asking people to, to be thoughtful and have respect, and, and I wish everybody would. Uh, but the truth is, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, look, you, you're free to decide what you want to decide. And if you decide to say something is bad, you can. But yeah. the problem is you may know, not know the difference between bad or flawed versus not my style, right. not my preference. And I think that's what we're, that's what a lot of times uh, we have to consider when, if you're in the craft business and you see 
reviews come through or, or you're having an engaged conversation with somebody and you know, they want to talk about something and say, look, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to finish this as bad or, or don't buy that because it's bad. And that that connotation means something specifically right. for people in the industry versus, hey, it's just not my thing. I didn't like it. Well, and this Killian's is a great example of that. It's not a bad beer. There is nothing wrong with this beer. It just lacks soul. <laughs> right. Right. Speaking of soul, let's move on to our next beer. Um, <laughs> this beer, everybody's had this beer. Um, I will say it's definitely not, not a bad beer. If you have to drink some kind of macro uh, something, uh, this is always a good go-to. If you're somewhere and you start looking at things and you go, oh, shit, there is nothing here. Well, the, the other thing is I'm going to say, uh, while you take a, a drink of the beer, I'm going to go ahead and say that for anybody who's in the know, anybody who knows the 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 history of this beer and the, and the history of the person who made it, um, this is this is paying respect to, to him. His name's Keith Villa. Uh, he was a creator of Blue Moon. He has a doctorate in brewing sciences from uh, uh, Belgium. That uh, is where he studied. Uh, he created Blue Moon, uh, and Miller tried to kill it over and over and over again. So he created it. So, correct me if I'm wrong. You seem to know a lot about Blue Moon. This is great. Why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was working at a Miller Coors kind of offshoot craft brewery um did you just spit out a uh, an orange seed <laughs> yeah i did but i put That's it on amazing. a napkin i didn't put it on a napkin i i i put it on a napkin i didn't no, put you it in your it across the bar i saw you yeah um i hit somebody it, with it and poked their eye out. Uh, hear more about that on truth beer pod correct um now the worlds are colliding and you have to decide <laughs> your own truth <laughs> when it. you're listening to the show i love it uh so he was working in a uh, like a, a satellite brewery of Miller Coors at Coors Field. Is that so? That part, that part, I think um, I don't know how true that is. Basically, when he tells the story, and I've heard him on a couple of different podcasts tell the story, he was uh, in uh, college, I believe, uh, to become. I believe it was a doctor, uh, and. He thought it'd be cool over the the break between. Could have been a doctor, could have been a scientist. It cut me some slack, uh, but he thought it'd be cool to work in a brewery. So right. he went and uh, the brewery was Miller Coors, and he was in, working in the lab. And uh, I guess a series of events happened where Miller Coors approached him and said, "Hey, would you like to go to Belgium and study brewing sciences?" And then the answer to that is always yes, by the way. He did, yes, exactly. <laughs> and so then he got a doctorate in, uh, in in brewing sciences and came back and he wanted to he wanted to make a beer that was his beer, his creation, but he, he wanted to really lean on his Belgian influence and he created Blue Moon and he presented it to Miller Coors and they said, It's not clear. And he's like, I know it's not clear. It's it's this is this is true style and well you know I, I i i guess we'll run with it but you know it was one of those things where he had a very short leash and the story about him running around uh, uh, uh 
garnish, uh, get, going to bars and showing them to garnish it with oranges is absolutely true. He would spend money out of his own pocket to show bars because they were garnishing it with other things. <laughs> they were using lemons and limes right. and said, use the thing well, that's in the beer. Before Blue Moon became a thing, when you walked into any like any American bar, any kind of sports bar kind of atmosphere, they didn't have lots of different garnishes sitting around. Like you, you had lemons and limes cut up because those were the more popular cocktails, cocktails. they were making. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe you had some disgusting cherries some or those, something. Some of those nasty cherries. <laughs> yeah, but it, that that was absolutely true. And then, um, you know, the 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 beer brand and just he. He kept at it and, 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 and advocating for it, and it, it grew uh, to what it is today. And eventually, Keith Via decided to move on from Miller Coors, and now he's in Colorado. He started Seria Brewing, which is a, uh, a company that makes non-alcoholic THC-infused beers. And um, uh, the latest, or one of the latest episodes from Basic Brewing, which is a homebrew podcast, they interviewed Keith Via about uh, that process of de-alcoholing or uh, the, right. the, the, you know, taking the alcohol out of beer if you're a home brewer, and then also uh, how to very uh, uh, cautiously incorporate uh, uh, cannabis into right. your beers. So, but anyways, he's still he's still around, and my God, when when he starts to talk and, and you're listening, you you understand. Number one, you're listening to somebody who's a very chill dude, but he is extremely cannabis. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> and he's extreme. Like the his, he is extremely knowledgeable about this. Like this, this is uh, he's, you know, a, a, in my opinion, you know, one of those crap beer legends. Well, I don't, I don't care who you are. This beer is, um, this is something. Anybody who creates something like this definitely has a uh, something to hang their hat on as far as a career. This is not that this is uh, crazy in today's craft beer world. There's lots of really crazy stuff happening, but this is a again a great beer. It is, and and also it's one of those beers that for the life of the beer until very very recently i mean even macro beer was was trying to to squelch and, and and crush this beer i mean there were there were super bowl commercials with jerome bettis and you know saying stop fruiting your beer and, yeah. and things of that nature is it's you know the the fruiting of the beer is simply a garnish because it enhances part of the things that were the ingredients that were used to brew there is so let's talk about that for a second so I understand the mindset of some traditionalists that think that you shouldn't have to add anything else to your glass before you, you drink your beer. What was brewed is what should enter your face, and that's it. I get that. However, when you take a, and we'll use Blue Moon as the example, if you take a tall glass of Blue Moon um, in that, uh, that, that wit beer glass or a, a Hefeweizen glass, Shout out to Sonder, Hefeweizen, I said it. Um, Award-winning craft brewery you, you You put that, that glass in front of you with that big, giant orange wheel on it, 
Like, even before you get your nose anywhere close to it, your brain starts kicking into gear. Like, it's it beautiful. knows it knows what it's in for. It's beautiful. Uh, and that it's goes, delicious. That goes for any kind of... If you want to rim your glass with something, it's going to make my brain do something before I start drinking your beer. And that's it's something that I hopefully brewers will learn from the food world of what your plate looks like before you actually get your face into it or even close to it to start smelling stuff. What it looks like affects how it's going to taste later. And I, Blue Moon was the first and is still one of the few brands that has really captured that idea on a big scale to, to say, it doesn't matter where you go. You can walk into a freaking bowling alley and if they've got Blue Moon on tap, they're probably going to throw an orange on there. It's insane, isn't it? It's really, really, it's it's cool to me. I, I, it's it's nerdy, cool. but it's cool. It's absolutely cool. And the orange, in my opinion, uh, absolutely adds to the the flavor and the aroma. You know, um, I was at, at, we were just talking about Sonder. I was at Sonder earlier today. I had the um, uh, strawberry jalapeno uh, record hop, which, which I had on the on the show, our pod, um, and we recorded yesterday, uh, True Through Pod Sequences, so uh, it was phenomenal. And But you get you get strawberry and jalapeno on the nose. This is just an enhancement of the, the senses of you know, you know, smelling and tasting. You know, they, they are so important and they, they can be so uh, harmonious and work together in, in truly enjoying that beer experience. Uh, so, you know, that, 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 um, that thought, you know, continues on. I mean, heck, you talked, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago about Urban Artifact putting out a beer and it came with a snack. I still, still remember it in my head like that. When you walked in, and I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about this idea that it came with a snack, but it was their first uh, rye goza something or other, and uh, I just wanted to try the beer. And I walked into the tap room and I sat down at a bar stool, and I ordered it, and she, her eyes lit up, and she's like, "Oh, that comes with a snack." <laughs> it does what? <laughs> she said, "Yeah." comes with a snack and your your rye beer came with a little sandwich and it completely transforms the beer transforms the experience and that's a beer that they don't make anymore it was that that batch was it and yet in my head i still remember it that that's how you do this you guys like it's not you're not going to make the best pale ale in the world it's been done you can try to recreate the best pale ale in the world. But if you want to do something different, you have to capture an experience for people. And sometimes that experience starts even before that beer actually hits their lips. And you gotta, you gotta dial that in if you wanna be something that has staying power like Blue Moon, which clearly has staying power even now with craft beer exploding around it. Blue Moon is, I, I don't have their sales numbers, but I think they sell a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, they do, and it's it. It's one of those beers where I, if I'm if, if I'm stuck in a situation where, you know, that's the craftiest thing available. Well, hell, that's the one I'm going to get. When it's become a it's become a brand in itself. There's 
offshoots of Blue Moon. There's seasonal varieties and all kinds of stuff. Oh, that I they saw do. that. What do they do? Um, do all and, kinds of stuff. That they've and done. didn't they? Didn't they do? Isn't there a? Uh, I know like that a locale or a uh, yeah, there's blue sky or something. Yeah, blue the, sky. I've never had it. I haven't either. Never had a uh, say, uh, get some to the gnome and we'll have a <laughs> blue sky show. That's right. Shout with out, shout out to, uh, to to blue moon if you want to uh, to do a blue moon episode. We will do that. Um, I can tell you that I've had a pumpkin blue moon before. Um, it's been, right. been a couple years, but seriously, I've definitely had that. Uh, I'm trying to think of other Blue Moon variants that I've had. Uh, there's some good stuff. <laughs> pumpkin Blue Moon. Pumpkin Blue Moon. I had pumpkin the other day. Uh, there's a four-pack sitting in my fridge, unless my wife is drinking it all right now, because it's in her fridge. I only had one. I only had, uh, well, I only, somebody gave it to me. I had, I had one bottle, and I, I had it the other night. It was, it was, it was... Fantastic. I have not had a pumpkin beer yet this year. A few years ago. I'm close. There was a rum barrel-aged pumpkin. Oh, yeah. It was so damn good. Oh, yeah. So good. A few years ago, there was a rum barrel-aged pumpkin also that was delicious. Until it wasn't. Well, but, was it on tap in, like, July? Um, no. No, I think it was released. Okay, just one time. I mean, there was, <laughs> was pumpkin around in uh, April or something. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole different topic. Sorry, bud. <laughs> the uh, uh, seasonal creep. Um, you know that uh, Shift Beers will t- be telling you all about seasonal creep and how it's destroying the world soon. But I disagree. I, is, is this a utopia's year? Uh, it's, it's in theory is supposed to be. I really hope that it is. I haven't heard anything about it though, which makes me nervous. It's a little nervous. It yeah, you're the guy who hears things about it. I do hear things. Uh, they're they're in Oktoberfest right now. They're focusing on that. After Oktoberfest, we should and Julie, shift into... I think Julie and I are going to start really talking about uh, uh, Utopias and, and what it means to us. And uh, hopefully we get uh, similar results to the last time you talked about Utopias. I mean, that would be really fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm a big Sam Adams fan on this show. <laughs> If you guys want to drink some Utopias, let me know. We can uh, we can do a Utopia show. Yes, yes, um, please. Uh, Sam Adams, if you're listening, uh, Truth Beer Podsequences, they're huge Sam Adams fans. Huge, 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 huge. the biggest. You know, I spent I spent a day there with my son, who's my brewery buddy, and it's one of the best days ever. He said, <laughs> when I had Utopias, uh, and that is uh, that is that's huge uh, huge compliment coming from from him. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so going back to the topic at hand, yep. we, we tried three definitely non, non-craft. No, can we say these are non-craft? Um, they are, by definition, they're not craft breweries. But I look at something like Guinness. Well, they're nostalgic brands. Yeah, but I even, even as far as like how I feel about craft beer, like in my head, I still kind of consider Guinness a craft beer, even if it's owned by Diageo and it's definitely not not craft. Um, Blue Moon, I almost think for me gets grandfathered in as a craft beer. Maybe not a craft brewery, but a craft beer. I don't know. It's it's murky. Well, the, the beer itself was uh, certainly had uh, 
that in its in its nucleus, right? In its in its uh, origination, it wants and is uh, that different beer. Right. I mean, for their portfolio, oh my God, it it, it had to, and it did. If you if you go back and 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 uh, listen to 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 Keith and and you know you, you read up on the history, they they just were. Like, just it, it it was a total mind bender for them. There was probably a period of time uh, where Miller Coors, there were these you know old white men sitting in a conference room, yelling about how sales were declining and drinkers were going to this craft beer stuff, and yet on that balance sheet every year there was this chunk that Blue Moon was just supporting everything else. <laughs> Yeah, it just—it was so big they couldn't kill it. That's where it finally got to that point. Uh, are there? So you talked about Newcastle. Was there anything else that you thought, if in our trek, our travels? I mean, we traveled. What? I mean, we went to several places. Several all places. across town. And if there was anything, we drove across the street. You guys. Yeah, I was, I mean, it's like. Maybe three quarters of a mile. Uh, if was there another beer that popped up? That you said no. This this. If I find this, this is a this is a, a a potential candidate because of what it what its status was back when uh, when these other beers were. I don't what think we could so get. for me. I mean, if I could get Pete's Wicked today, it would definitely be Hell right there yeah. for me. But I, you can't. So um, uh, Newcastle was definitely up there. Uh, for me, like this, this kind of hits it. The Guinness, Blue Moon, Newcastle, I think are for me those uh, those pillars of early craft beer that I'm not trying Newcastle in years. I don't know that it stands up to what my memory is, but both of uh, both of these two, Killian's aside, I used to I stand used, up. I used to use Newcastle um, back. I mean, years ago when the Newcastle recipe was still the old Newcastle recipe and you get it in the Newcastle bottles. And I used to use it to uh, to braise pulled pork. It's a and science experiment in a bottle, really. It, I don't know what was in there, but it's clear bottles. Clear bottles. And uh, somehow that beer didn't skunk. Nothing happened to it, no matter what you did to it. It was really thin, though, the body of it. But was what pretty, was it? Pretty damn thin. It couldn't have been beer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and I, it almost had like the, the consistency of a watered-down root beer, but without yeah. the root beer flavor. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to try it today, especially since I, I know that quality has actually probably improved on it. It's probably a better beer today than it was when we were drinking it. Um, I'm curious. I will drink a Newcastle. You know what? Just make sure you're following on uh, social media because I'm going to drink a Newcastle at some point um, in the next period of time. And Julie, next, Julie and I will talk about that. The next, time am, the next time I'm at a bar and I see Newcastle, I will drink it and I will share it with you. How about that? Sounds like a great idea. I love that. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> if, 
It has been decided. <laughs> the Newcastle quest continues. Um, Marco, thank you. I appreciate you hanging out with me for a little bit and uh, nope. drinking some uh, not at all beer like we typically share when we hang out. No problem. I, I, I was really glad to be able to help out. Like I said, I was, I was getting ready to, to bathe in some smooge, so I postponed <laughs> uh, the smooge bathing. And Have you tried smooge? I had a taste of smooge uh, a while back at uh, BC's Montgomery. Yeah. Because they had picked some up. I guess maybe somebody traveled yeah, and yeah. got smooge or whatever. And it's, uh, oh, have you tried it? I have not. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm. I'm not gonna give my thoughts on it because I want your un, you know, untainted <laughs> thoughts about what is. Uh, the newest thing to hit the market after the newest thing to hit the market last week. Right. So. Well, this the smooge idea has has stretched out a little longer than I thought it was going to. And I maybe we're now seeing the tail end of it now that it's readily available in Ohio. I mean, I, Yay. Yeah, I, 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 I think we're seeing the end of it, but... Um, I'm going to drink it and we'll, we'll talk about it. Make sure, again, you follow on all those platforms that I share my thoughts on, uh, especially YouTube. YouTube, when I drink my smooge, when I drink... <laughs> when I drink the smooge. <laughs> smooge. That was awesome. Whatever smooge it is. That's awesome. When I, when I drink it, it will be on YouTube. That was awesome. Oh, dear God. Margo, cheers. Cheers. Uh, Let's have a hustle. <laughs> There's, there is Ryan Guy's hustle on the menu and that's what I'm ordering <laughs> we'll be back next week I hesitate as always to tell you where we are because sometimes people cancel on you and sometimes you end up in Buffalo Wild Wings sometimes you end up in BW3 drinking Guinness and Blue Moon so. <laughs> but no matter what you're drinking it's still Cincy Brewcast the voice of Cincy Craft <laughs>